Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please go to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. You may notice that the sound quality is very poor during the Bible passage reading. We apologise for the poor sound quality, but if you carry on listening, it does improve again. So, I'm continuing our series in 1 Peter, which is about standing fast in grace. And um, today I'm speaking on obedience. That is the title that I was given. And it makes sense when you look at the passage, because it's all about obedience. So we're going to read the passage first. I'll stay here. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to read it off the slides. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Tasted that the Lord is good. Obedience makes sense for this passage. It's mentioned at the beginning, it's mentioned at the end, so that's a clue that this is quite an important theme in this section. But when I try to think about what is obedience kind of in our culture today, I couldn't really think of many examples where we use it outside of church. And so I did a quick Google to see what kind of results it brought up. And after all your dictionary definitions, there were three types of, of hits that I got. And one was Christian articles about what is obedience. Another one is um, like psychology research into the dangers of too much obedience, like in Nazi Germany, what happens when we are too obedient. I think we would sort of agree that's not a very biblical picture of obedience. We can't be too obedient to God, can we? And then the third one, I don't know if anyone can guess, actually, a context where we do use obedience in. Dog training, yes. That's where we use obedience in society. Dogs are apparently the only people in our society that we really think should be obedient today. So there, it seems like there is a desire among Christians to understand obedience, but if we look at culture's idea of obedience, that's not really going to help us. Um, and so um, I want you to just really set aside any kind of knee-jerk responses of, but that's legalism, or um, but there's freedom in Christ, and so I don't need to worry about obedience. Um, set those aside, because by the end of this, I'm hoping 
you are going to have the mindset of the author of Psalm 119, who writes pages and pages and pages about how much he loves God's law, how much he loves God's instruction. He says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. By the end of this, that's where you're going to be. (laughs) So, what does the Bible say obedience is? Well, it's got to be more than just the opposite of disobedience. Because if, if that's all it is, then you're reducing the entire Christian faith and the entire Bible to just a set of rules. The Old Testament law revealed to us that if we only had a set of rules, that wouldn't be enough to save us, because we're never going to manage to do it. And so, Susie, if I can have the next slide. Obedience is all of these things. It is love, it is faith, it is our glory, it is our joy, it is holiness righteousness and justice, and then it is grace. don't know what you think about that. So obedience is love, because, and love is obedience as well. God loves us, we call that grace, and we love him back, and how do we do that? But by doing what he says, by submitting to his will, by obeying his commands. And what are his commands? To love God and love one another. So obedience is love, and love is obedience. They're, they're one and the same. When you think about Jesus' ultimate act of love, it was obeying God in going to the cross and dying for us. Obedience is faith. Faith is not self-serving. It's about trusting that someone else's will is better for me and for the world than my own will. And so obedience is faith. It's saying I'll do what you say instead of what I want to do. Obedience is glory. Now I have to do a little bit of um, linguistic gymnastics for this one. So in that passage, um, it said, it had this, this quote from Isaiah 40, and it confused me for a long time. Susie, do you want to go back to that? Um, I didn't warn you about this, Susie, sorry. It's like the third slide of the passage, maybe, where there's a quote, that one. All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. It's it's a bit of a random quote in there. And when you look it up in Isaiah 40, it actually says, all people are like grass, and their, their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. And so, whoever translated it into Greek, um, Peter then quotes the Greek. So, Peter didn't make this jump, but whoever translated it sort of went equated is faithful love and glory. They are, they are one and the same. Our glory is how we love other people faithfully. That's what makes us glorious. And we can only do it to a certain extent, and so Jesus adds glory to that. Um, hope you followed that. Um, but Jesus' glory also was his obedience. The moment when Jesus was glorified was when he was up on the cross. That was his throne. That was his coronation. That was his glory moment when he was up on the cross. Obedience is joy. I'll take you back to Psalm 119, where the the psalmist there really, really celebrates the law of following his instructions. And when you look at Jesus, someone actually quoted Hebrews 12 already today, um, and the very next bit of that, Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, because for the joy set before him, he was obedient to death on the cross. Um, I don't think, actually, the death on the cross was the joyful bit for Jesus. I think he was looking past that, seeing the joy on the other side, 
I suspect the author of Psalm 119 is doing that as well, that he actually, he relishes obedience to a certain point, but sometimes obedience is painful, and, but we can look through that pain, we can look to the other side, and we can see the joy that is going to come through that obedience. Obedience is holiness. Holiness meaning being set apart, being different from the world around us. When we follow God's instructions, if we really follow them, I think we are very much different from the culture around us. Um, the, uh, in this passage, it said, be holy as I am holy. is an invitation to be a child of God, to image him and to be like him, to stand out from the rest of the world through obedience, to be the image of God. And Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God, and if you're in that kingdom, you're submitting to the king, you're you're being obedient. So um, obedience is holiness. And then obedience is justice and righteousness. And I think this one probably needs the least explaining because obedience to all of God's laws are such good news to the poor and the oppressed that, um, yeah, it, it just brings God's justice and his righteousness into the world. And you have to look at um, maybe Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to see where he completely preaches uh, obedience to be justice and righteousness for the world. Finally, um, obedience being grace um, is a slightly more complicated relationship between obedience and grace. So if we have the next slide. Obedience, it is grace, but also it's not. Grace comes first. The ultimate grace of Jesus dying on the cross, which was since the beginning of the world, was always, always there, that, that uh, lamb without blemish or defect, that came first. That is the reason for our obedience. It is the source for our obedience. We are empowered to be obedient by the Holy Spirit because Jesus died for us. Grace enables us to be obedient. And then um, it also... Obedience brings more grace because God's way of living for us is actually the best thing for us. So when we obey, that's another way that we experience God's grace. When other people obey and they're generous and I receive that generosity, I'm experiencing God's grace. When I obey and I am generous to other people, they experience God's grace through me. So um, more obedience is just going to generate more grace in the world. The same is actually true of the opposite. More disobedience generates more grace. Um, if we repent, we can experience God's grace. Uh, read Romans to see that actually this isn't a great idea <laughs> to set out to do. Don't do this. <laughs> but if you're in that place where you're going, oh, I've been so disobedient, then all that means is there's more grace for you that God has. Um, but finally, grace actually trumps over obedience. Because, um, as James says in chapter 2, mercy triumphs over judgment. Obedience actually isn't a substitute for grace. It comes out of grace. And as obedience grows, um, we also need humility to grow. Um, humility is just that awareness that everything that we are able to do comes from grace. 
there's kind of an old covenant versus new covenant question here of, well, if obedience is old covenant, surely we've got rid of that in the new covenant. When Jesus came, obedience was no longer necessary. Well, obedience hasn't changed. We still need to be obedient. It's no longer our path to salvation. It's no longer the way by which we are saved. But obedience is still obedience. It is possible to prioritize obedience too highly. If you look at the story of Mary and Martha, um, Martha slaving away, trying to earn some kind of love and being annoyed with the person that's just worshiping at Jesus' feet and listening to him. We, there is more than one way of loving God. Obedience is key, but actually just spending time in his presence as well. So let's not only have obedience. I hope this kind of shows you that obedience is more than an add-on to the Christian faith. It's really integral if we consider that it is our joy, our faith, our love. It is our um, glory and our, um, all those things from before. And the true test, really, is do we see obedience in Jesus' life and ministry? And there's a resounding yes. He preaches obedience, and he is obedient, even to death on a cross. And he says, he doesn't just say, follow me. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You can't follow him without dying to yourself, saying, yes, I'm going to do what you say. I trust you. So kind of bringing that down from a big, big picture Bible message to what does that mean for us today? Boots on the ground, how do we obey? Um, Susie, if you can put up the quote, this is how, how we obey. This is the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, or your soul, or your mind. And also, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Every other rule and commandment that we see in the New Testament and the Old Testament are really just examples of how we do these two things. Which means that obedience will look different in different people's lives because loving is not um, the same for everyone. There are some things that will be kind of common to us all, like um, generosity with what we have, care for creation, um, the Great Commission to go and tell people and make disciples of all nations, but also there are going to be things that are different. I think we have three pictures of obedience in the New Testament, which are very much culturally grounded, and so if you look at some of these and go, um, they are <laughs> first century in Israel pictures of where obedience should exist in that, in that culture. And some of it will still be relevant, and some of it is not relevant, but that's not my preach. I'm just <laughs> going to look at how this helps us understand obedience. So, uh, a slave to masters um, is very much like the world's def definition. The world today sees it as appropriate for dogs and dogs only. Um, but actually, it's a lot of what we were singing about today. When we were in the middle of I don't understand how this is happening, God. To still choose to obey in that place is, is to say, but I trust you, and I make myself a slave to you. I make myself your servant because of who you are, and I trust what you say. Paul says in Romans that we're slaves no matter what. Either we're slaves to sin or we're slaves to righteousness. And so if you don't choose who your master is, 
it will be chosen for you. Chances are, if you choose for yourself to be your own master, which is, I think, what the world preaches today, what we're choosing is to be slaves to our sinful selves. We're choosing to pursue power and money. We're not actually free. It's an illusion. Um, And so real freedom is to be able to choose who your master is, and so to choose to serve God. That is is freedom. Um, Maybe the, the picture of love as slaves serve masters is not immediately apparent, but when we say, I'm going to do what you say because I think you are the most perfect thing that I could ever want to follow. I think that is, that is love. Children to parents, um, really it's about imitating. Um, children, as they spend time in the presence of their parents, become like them. They long to do the things that their parents are doing. Um, quick example. <laughs> In our house, we keep all the shoes by the front door. And so if you leave your shoes anywhere else in the house, Phoebe, because she knows that we do this in our house, will pick up your shoes and she will take them to the front door. And we have a little porch area and she gets to the porch door and she just throws them in. (laughs) But she's so nearly there. But but she knows that we do that in our house because she spent time with us, because we've done it with her. And so she begins to imitate and she is obedient, not because we've told her to, but just because... That's what we do in our house. Um, it does require to be, us to be in the Father's presence and to read the word, to know what God does, to know what Jesus does, so that we can become like him, we can imitate him. Um, and it's, it's about being the image of God. It's what we were created for, to, to do what he does. And then the final one, wives or husbands, is about being that partner, being that um, co-laborer, Jesus says, no longer I call you slaves, but I call you friends. That's kind of bringing up the status of obedience, not to be someone that's below, but really um, almost equals. Um, It's a place where if you can reach that kind of level of obedience, where obedience is a joy, it's our first choice to do. It's not something that we have to really work ourselves up to be obedient, but it's just instinct. But it does take a long time to get there. If you look at the 12 disciples... They spent three years, day and night, in the bodily presence of Jesus. And just by the end of it, they just about got there. Um, I think through these three pictures of obedience, we have a progression. So quite often, we have to start off making ourselves a slave to a, in one particular area. And then as we spend time there, we really pick up, oh, this is how it works. And, and then um, you can move through to that kind of partnership level of obedience. Um, just a little example, I guess, is in my mid-twenties, I very much called myself a Christian, but I didn't really read the Bible very much. Um, and I really had to, I guess, enter that slave mentality of, I know this is good for me, but my life seems fine without it. And um, although God says it, I find it really hard work. I don't really enjoy it all that much. But I made myself a slave to it. I started doing it regularly. Um, we went along to Lee's School of Theology at a time when I wasn't really reading the Bible at all. And that sort of surrounding myself with people who loved it was a way of really capturing that um, child mentality of obedience. That as I made myself a slave to it, I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. I captured the love for it. And, um, and now I, um, I spend my time translating Genesis 
out of Hebrew into English because I, I love it. <laughs> um, it's a real joy. Um, I guess another area where I've, I really struggle is I, I find prayer really hard. And I would um, really celebrate when I had a clash and couldn't go to the prayer meetings at Hope. And I was like, yes, don't have to go. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as, again, I've made myself a slave to that one. I'm like, I know this is good. I know this is what God says. I know it works. I know this. But I just have yet to experience it. And so you, you make yourself a slave to it. You, you do it. You go through those motions. And I probably am now in a child, in a child place. I'm not yet where it's my joy to pray. But I, I see that it connects me to, to God. I see that it connects me to Jesus, and, and I'm, I'm capturing up that. And so, in different areas of your life, you may be in different places. There may be areas where you're, you're starting to think, yeah, I should, I should make myself a slave to that, because that's going to build. Or you maybe have spent a time um, as a slave in a particular area, and you're going, oh, I wish I could move into that child, childlike area. Um, my encouragement to you would really be to go and speak to someone who you see has, has moved into that area where that's a real joy for them and just find out what that journey was like for them because um, that, I think, surrounding yourself with other people who have that joy is a real good way of, of moving there yourself. And I just want to say fi- one final thing, really, um, before we move into sort of response time, is that obedience to God has to be more than just obedience to this church. So if I stood here and just say, you need to be obedient, so give financially and serve on a team, um, I think that would just be doing such a disservice to what Christian obedience is. So make sure that um, yeah, you're just taking this out into your, into your life. Obedience to God is so much bigger than just obedience to um, what is within, within this church. So um, if, if you ever hear that message from the front of, you need to be obedient to this church, um, feel free to, to disregard it because that is such a small part of what obedience is. Um, yeah, obedience really is just to love God and love one another. So, just want you to imagine for a second a world where everyone was completely obedient and what that would look like. And really, I mean, there's a word for it. It's, it's called heaven. It's where we all have that joy of obedience. We all are in the Father's presence, and we've, we've all caught up in that. Um, as maybe just a small example, just imagine everyone today just gave up smoking across the whole world. And just, just not because they're slaves to a puppet master, but just because they're confronted with the truth that it's not good for them, and it's not good for the people around them, and so they just stopped. That would be such a good for the world. Um, and that, just magnified by a thousand times, is, is what we're really aiming for with this kind of obedience across the whole world. Um, it's such a picture of just, just heaven, what Adam in, and Eve in Eden failed to do. Um, but that's, that's really what we're called to, total obedience and total joyful obedience. So is your, is your heart burning to obey more? Um, I'd encourage you just to think of, of a really concrete example of somewhere maybe you've let uh, a good habit drift away um, that you could 
make yourself a slave to again, to enter into that um, beginning of obedience. Or maybe you've been a slave in an area for a while and you want to, you want to move past. Think of someone that you go and speak to um, and just commit yourself to it by, I really want to challenge you to tell someone what that could be. What is your next one step of obedience going to be? Um, I'm not going to give you time now to tell someone, so you have to do it after, the, after we're finished. Um, but tell, tell your partner, tell a friend. Um, I want to encourage you to be able to ask other people that are here as well. If you're listening back and your spouse was here and they haven't told you, then ask them what it was. Um, and if there's someone here that's in your midweek group, then go and say to them, uh, yeah, what, what was your thing um, after this? Uh, parents, ask your teenagers that are in the room because we've got them with us. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. As, and teenagers, ask your parents. Yeah, definitely. What was your thing? Um, great. I'm just going to ask Sandra and Hannah to come back up. We're going to sing one more song. Um, and I've asked them to change a word in a song. So we're going we're gonna to sing. The song normally goes, what can I say, what can I do? but offer my heart completely to you. Um, I'm just going to change one word, because I want to say, what can I say, what can I do, to offer my heart completely to you? It's not, I offer my heart, isn't that great, but what can I, what can I do? This is not a rhetorical question. What, what can I do to offer my heart completely to you? Um, I'm just going to pray for us while you guys get ready. Um, God, would you just... Uh, increase our obedience. Would you increase our humility to go with that obedience, our ever-present reliance on grace? Would you show us how we can become more obedient? What is our next, what is our next one step?